Hello, fellow podcast listeners. Thank you for tuning in today. We're doing something special for you guys during this time of the COVID crisis. We'll deliver an extra episode to you guys every week, updating you guys on the current COVID-19 news till it ends, right? And then we'll go back to once a week, or maybe we'll get excited about it, do it twice a week. How are you doing today, Peter, on this special episode? I'm doing good. The thing, the weather is kind of shady over here. Unfortunately, it's raining, so I imagine people are going to get a little bit more sick. It's cold. If you guys don't know, I'm here in the Chicagoland area. And yeah, the projection of this virus, doctor, not doctor, <laughs> President Trump was forecasting that it should end July, August. So we might have a few months of this shutdown going on. Hopefully, you know, it passes quicker than later. And this you know, emergency status, epidemic, pandemic, whatever they're calling it right now, hopefully it dies down within the next month because we got to go on vacation in May. Of course, man. We're waiting until May to go on vacation. And it's crazy because we podcasted it about this two weeks ago. The episode came out and like the freaking death rate, everything like just changes. Like, whoa, this is actually like a serious thing. Like right now, we have 274,000 cases, 11,000 deaths. And it's we're still on that bell-shaped curve of, you know, and everybody says fight the curb or is it, or is it defeat the curb? So we want to just curve. properly help, yeah, help the curve. And we're trying to help, you know, save society in a way because I've listened to Bill Gates uh, before on what's on TED Talks, and he said that the next like fear for mankind in a way is not biological weapons or nuclear, you know, destruction. It's freaking the microbial warfare, man. And like we're so condensed now in the population standpoint that this shit spread so damn quick. Back in the day, you had a virus that mutated. Well, it died off because it was only from tribe to tribe, like. We're, we're so interconnected that, hey, it's able to affect on a global level, and this is what we're seeing. Yeah, it's pretty insane. But you know what's curious that I thought about right now? I watched the Joe Rogan episode a little bit ago, and they were talking about how the universe is just a bunch of energy, and you know, you know, one, one thing gives off energy, the other thing takes, and it's like a circle, like it's like a cycle. And you know how there's, there's ants, and they kind of know what, know what to do. They know how to communicate. They know how to build stuff. They know how to dig these tunnels. They know how to sense the Earth's gravitational pull, all that jazz. And what they were talking about is the Earth has a balance. And as humans, we're part of that balance. And look at what we're doing to our environment. We're polluting it. And this energy has, has to have some kind of a way to reach equilibrium again. So this virus might be a way that the Earth reaches equilibrium. You know, because we're so toxic to the, to the earth with all this contamination that we're doing. We're, we're like pulling so much fish out of the ocean. We're polluting the ocean. And there's so much negativity that we're, that we're doing, so much destruction. that this might be the world's and the universe's way of evening it out. So, hey, like a virus is developed to get rid of some humans to decrease this kind of toxicity that we're, that we're doing and this polluting. That's a, that's a very great way to put it. So it's almost like a reset for the universe. And it's like Mother Nature kind of taking things back in its hand because it gave us life in a way. And we just completely neglected it through a bunch of plastic straws in the ocean. And we're cutting down Amazon rainforest because we need to produce soybean farms and shit like that. So it's a great way to put it. So you don't think this isn't a conspiracy or an agenda because I'm open to all damn talks. Like this ain't the global elite trying to create a vaccine. This ain't China trying to freaking, you know, um, you know, attack us after all those tariff wars and stuff like that. This is like a real pandemic is what we're kind of thinking, right? Yeah, I mean, I would think so. I mean, I, I do enjoy my conspiracy theories, but the last I've of heard course. is that China hasn't had any new cases in over, I think, 24 to 48 hours. But then China isn't the most honest 
government that we have, they could be maybe lying or, or they could not. Maybe we just been told that, hey, China is, is, is a bad entity and that we should listen to them. But maybe they are not telling the truth. Maybe they have a head in new cases. Maybe this virus is slowly dying down. Maybe China already had it, had its peak and now it's going down the bell curve. But did and, you and mention it? Did you mention any of the current uh, cases numbers wise? So I mentioned worldwide and I want to, the way I want to take this topic is I want to go worldwide down to United States and see what's going on. Right. So okay. starting with China as of March 20th now, since this is going to be released uh, tomorrow for March 21st, there's no new cases in the domestic level. So they have their 81 K almost cases and they have 3.2 K deaths and, you know, 71,000 people recovered. So they, they finally stalled. They close on those 14 crisis hospitals that they built, and they're finally keeping things under control. We were kind of late to the show, late to the party, where finally we're like, okay, hey, you know, state lockdowns in Illinois and Cali being announced today, and I don't know what else other states. I don't know New York already had it. Now we're realizing how bad this is. But before, hey, it was neglected. Like, look at Italy. They have, as of today, 5.9K new cases. They have 627 deaths just today with, and totaling 47K. So they actually surpassed China today, March 20th, by over 800 cases almost. Yeah. And it's because of their, you know, their system. Of course, they have a population that has a very high age. And it just, it's affecting them. And Spain and Germany are right behind them. And United States, as of today, has 5,000 new cases. So we're finally kind of catching up. We're at 18K total. But um, the way we're responding, the way New York got infected, which we're going to talk about soon, it's, it's, man, it's wildfire right now. Yeah, and people are bashing, like, you know, the way the president is taking these precautions or the way he's doing these things. But, like, president's job currently is to just keep things calm. Like, this, this is a very serious issue going on. A lot of people are, are dying. People are going to, unfortunately, continue on dying. But... You know, we literally are doing everything we can. Like it's, this is like the process of it. People expect uh, these magical things that, you know, hospitals are going to just drop down from the sky. Like, hey, we could have been better prepared for this. We could have we done this. No, we really couldn't be better prepared for this because who would have known this is going to happen? Like, that's like looking at your home. It's like, why don't you stockpile toilet paper? What do you mean? Why don't I stockpile toilet paper? Because I don't know this is going to happen. Exactly. The government didn't know this is going to happen either. So they're doing the best that they, they can. I know a lot of those cruise liners, those companies that own the cruise ships, they're willing to donate or use their their uh, their giant yachts or those 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 boats, whatever you want to call them. That they're cruise willing, to put, yeah, they're willing to put them on the east coast, the west coast, and kind of use them as shelters or spaces for for the sick or whatever they would need to use by. So that's not bad. That's that's good. Like you see people coming together, and hopefully out of this negative situation, we get like a nice positive. Maybe we'll learn how to work better as a community in the future. Maybe there'll be less war, less poverty because this kind of opens our eyes to, Hey, like some shit like this could actually happen. Like there could be an illness or a disease or something that's going to affect everybody. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter what your social economic status is. You do have a chance of dying. And then this might be like a, this might be like an eye-opening event for all the rich people out there that maybe look down at people that aren't as wealthy and just people that think they are more superior than anybody else, they're going to definitely get sick and they're going to, they're going to die. So maybe this is going to push the world and the economies more closer together and kind of be able to unite a little bit more after this whole, whole incident. It sounds beautiful. And I love how you mentioned everything that's, you know, we're all coming together and it's, it's vulnerability, right? It's like, we're finally 
I feel like a lot of people are being taken off the hamster wheel of the system. And they're like, oh, fuck. Like, so I should be appreciating this in life. And wow, now I have time for my family. Actually, this matters to me in life, not that. And people putting things down that doesn't matter. And I love that. But like to go into like a conspiracy standpoint, I hope this is not the freaking little key that's like, oh, hey, we need a one world government because we're fighting viruses. I hope that doesn't happen because, you know, I could be a little bit of a conspiracy junkie here. And at first when we podcasted, podcasted about this, I was a little bit like, okay, guys, chill out. Nothing's happening. But like as of now, hey, this is actually something very serious where you guys should actually stay home for the most part. Of course, you guys could go get your groceries, get your gas, go get your pharmaceutical medications. But just remain home because we're just trying to stop the spread. And, of course, there's something called, you know, herd immunity where eventually everybody's going to pass this immunity on for the rest of the population where we could be resistant to this virus in a way. But in a way, I don't think that's the right way to do things because of the high casualty and what's going on. Like, we just need to remain at home, you know. And we could talk about that, too, of what, what we're kind of seeing from an ICU standpoint, why this is so deadly, because a lot of people are just like, oh, this is just a virus. The flu has more deaths. Yeah, yeah no shit, but don't compare apples to oranges. It's just honestly a little bit different. Yeah, so before we jump into the hospital stuff, and because you've been in L.A. for – you came into L.A. before the virus happened. Can you tell us, like, a difference between how L.A. looks now compared to it was when you initially uh, drove up? Oh, man, just looking at my GPS and driving around in traffic, like it's a game changer. Like the the traffic has calmed down. If you go to Venice Beach, for example, that's where I'm at. The freaking all the all the what is it called? Stores, everything's closed down. There's still some people walking around, but it's completely, you know, declined. And today, I think the governor of California actually announced that they're actually going on lockdown nationwide. So they want you to remain. It's, I think it's called a stay-at-home order or something like that. I don't know what exactly the law is, but they just want you to remain home unless you're actually going to work if you're a medical professional and stuff. So I feel like our ID badges for being a healthcare nurse is going to be way more um, valuable than a driver license at the moment if they do like roadblocks or whatever they plan on doing. But I feel like there's not enough military to control the population. So they just expect you to be good citizens. And that's what the governor of Illinois said today. They just want you to be good citizens and just remain at home. We can't control everybody, but they think that citizens have enough responsibility that they're going to remain at home for the sake of like what's going on in this you know, pandemic. Yeah, for me being in Illinois today, they order after 5 p.m., like they usually said, stay at home notice or whatever you, you want to call it. And they are shutting down libraries. They are shutting down certain public buildings just so people don't don't gather there because, you know, libraries are pretty commonplace for gatherings. They kind of want to minimize those. So if you don't need to go to a store, if you don't need to go to a pharmacy, if you don't need to go out, try and do recreational activities indoors, you know. If you don't have to go out for toilet paper or if you've got a paper or some water or some food, then stay indoors. Like, watch some TV. This is your time to watch TV. And, and don't hoard I was going to say, yeah. don't hoard because like there is enough food to go around. We're not going into a post-apocalyptic stage. We're just taking preventive measures to stop the spread. That's all it is. We're just trying to suffocate the virus so it cannot spread because a virus is not living and it just has to spread host to host. If you suffocate it, it's just chilling in the air. It's just going to freaking die off, guys. And that's like the point that we're doing here. And another reason why you should be kind of scared about this is because let's just say in Illinois, because I was listening to the press conference because that's where I'm from. They are only increasing their test kits from 1,000 to 2,000 every single day. So we're still de- we're, we are still at a delay of treatment and finding out who's positive, who's not. And we know that there's a 14-day incubation period. So just freaking sit at home, 
and just don't get sick because you might be wandering around and you're going to, you know, catch this thing in a way. And it's the worst for healthcare workers, man. You, you're seeing nurses complain and we're not, we don't have proper PPE. And now, you know, it's the precautions are changed from droplet to, um, or from airborne to droplet, I should say. And people are kind of like worried from a nursing standpoint. Oh, of course. And I know you mentioned traffic in LA. This is you guys give you an idea because uh, on my way back from a gym, I usually pass by a really busy street. And, and like that street usually pretty full at, this, at the time that I was driving. Traffic was probably down a solid 50%. So there's for sure people are staying home. People aren't as active as, as, as they were before because it usually takes me like a solid half hour to go from the gym. This time it probably took me 15, 20 minutes. So definitely people are definitely, you know, scared of this. And you can definitely see that there's less people on the streets and less cars. Yeah. And looking at some statistics for United States, like currently today, New York has like the most cases. It's like it has 8,300. Just today has 2,900 new cases. So, you know, looking at New York, it's so condensed and people actually commute and everything is like person to person. That's why this shit's spreading so far. You know, they have 42 deaths. Washington is right behind them. And then Cali. So those are like the top three states right now. And, you know, they're taking preventive measures. Um, from like an ICU standpoint, I think they're very, they're preparing for this, you know, because they're seeing what's going on in Italy and how, you know, compromised a, a patient's health is from this. They're, they're saying in my hospital, they could bounce from a 24 to a 48 bed ICU, like in like, just like this, if they need to. And another thing is, is they just expect me to take open hearts right away after, you know, watching some modules. And that kind of makes me feel unsafe because I can't take every patient population that I'm not, you know, able to take and they think I could just manage it after watching uh, a couple computer programs, you know? So that sucks. Yeah. I know my unit's going to be the next COVID-19 unit in the hospital. So we'll see how that works out. I'm actually going to probably pick up a day down at the current COVID-19 unit just to kind of get a feel for it and how things are, are going. I'm kind of curious, even though I am putting myself at risk, I'm willing to do that. It's kind of why I enter healthcare. Like we're, we're basically there to do these kind of things. I think everybody should you know, participate a little bit more. But it doesn't matter. But I work with heart failure. So I, I was thinking if somebody gets COVID-19 on our, on our floor and that shit spreads, I guarantee it's going to like half of our fucking patients. People are in like car genetic shop. People are in heart failure. People are like barely making it. So any kind of drift from their current homeostatic position is going to result in death. death. Like these people cannot handle any kind of fluctuation. So I have a feeling if COVID happens on my unit and it spreads, we're going to see a lot of definitely death because they have heart failure. You know, they have a poor heart in the first place. Without a heart, you can't really pump blood anywhere else. They should definitely have closed units in your facility where, hey, no one, no other nurses could float there or do anything like that just to kind of help the immunocompromise, like the chemo patients and things like that, you know? But I, I don't know what the hospital is doing. I don't know what the CDC is recommending because it seems like every hospital is kind of taking orders from the CDC, you know? For example, if you have a COVID patient, you have to kind of sign in and sign out on like the, um, the window of entry. That's something we're doing. So we'll see, you know, but I kind of wouldn't mind getting going into a little bit of the disease process of this and talking about that malaria drug. So looking at some YouTube videos, looking at what's what's happening, talking to people that work in critical care, it seems like what's really going on is what we're, we're just doing symptom management, correct, Peter? You kind of mentioned that we're, there's no way to actually cure this at the moment, right? Yeah, it's more supportive care. So majority of people are going to be have slight symptoms, but when people tend to deteriorate is when they get put on the vent. Because we know once you're intubated, it's kind of hard to extubate you. And now we throw in this 
this um this this virus that has no no cure because the difference between this and getting normal pneumonia is with normal pneumonia you have bacterial pneumonia you have viral pneumonia we actually have medication that can that can treat that so we can actually treat it we give you supportive care we give you fluids we put you on the vents to help you breathe to stabilize you but we can actually treat bacterial pneumonia with antibiotics and that'll help you fight fight the infection off with COVID-19 once you have a ventilator and once you're positive for it like there is no medication we can give you to basically treat it there is a vaccine currently being studied in Washington. There's this medication called, uh, what is it called? Like, um, col colcicine, I believe it was called. Or do you know what the name of it is? I look is it the malaria one? one? Yeah. So it's called a chloroquine. Oh, um, yeah. Chloroquine. So that's used to treat, treat malaria. So if that's is showing positive effects of it. But the thing is so dangerous because there's no treatment. So everything that we can do is really support your body. And hopefully your body fights it off itself. So like I said before, give you fluids manage your peep on the vent, you know, prevent you from kind of getting worse and giving your body the best fighting chance you can so it can fight it off itself. But like we said before, the medication uh, chloroquine, the malaria drug, that has been showing positive effects because it prevents the virus from actually replicating. And it happens in two ways. One of the ways is through endosomes. Endosomes are unlike your cell membrane and those things actually allow the virus to kind of, the virus manipulates those and it's able to get in. So endosomes are actually a little bit acidic. So the virus is actually benefits from that acidity and it's able to kind of let itself in. And what this medication chloroquine does, it actually makes those endosomes more basic. So the virus can't go through it and replicate. And then the other way is actually kind of, kind of interesting because it actually affects the angiotensin converting enzyme. So like your ACE, you know how you have ACE inhibitors, that system. So the medication actually affects that system and then it prevents the virus from replicating through that system. It's pretty complicated stuff. I'm not going to go into it because I myself don't understand the full micro, uh, micro process of it, but it basically affects the ACE system and then also affects those endosomes. And it's how to replicate. So if you prevent the virus, it's like Matt said, the virus needs a living host to replicate. Our cells replicate with the virus inside and that's how it grows, expands. But if without a host, without any kind of entry to the cell, there's no way this virus could spread. Yeah, and so like, what the biggest issue is here and what's causing a lot of death and the stuff that I'm like researching is it's causing a lot of interstitial pneumonia, interstitial pneumonia. And pneumonia could be caused by anything, bacterial, viral. And what starts happening is you start developing, and in these worst cases, ARDS. You have acute respiratory distress syndrome, you are requiring PEEP, which is um, positive end expiratory pressure. So what happens is it's pressure that's being pushed into the lungs and it's helping your alveoli stay open because it's helping with gas exchange. And the, the alveoli is getting wet and it's, it's harder to open up. And eventually we need more PEEP on the ventilator to push more air in. Eventually what happens is if you go up too high in the setting, you don't want to cause a pneumothorax or aka the freaking lung to kind of pop. We're, we're going to prone these patients. So more than likely, we're going to paralyze you because if, you, if, we, if we paralyze you, it's, easy, it's easier for the ventilator to you know, work its magic and expand the lungs. Eventually, we have to prone you, which we flip you upside down to help with lung expansion and everything else. And if the ARDS gets out of control where we just can't manage your lungs at the moment, they, I've seen patients in you know, Japan and Italy, which what, that's why this is so critical, is be, they, they go on ECMO. So we literally artificially take your blood out of your lungs. I'm sorry, out of your blood. 
and we could do there's different settings for ECMO there's VV and there's VA um, one is basically we could take lungs or I keep saying lungs we could take uh, blood out and we could filter it and oxygenate it so you that usually goes from the right IJ into the right atrium so we're going to take blood and we're going to put air or we're going to put oxygen into your blood and put it back in and sometimes we have to do the job of the heart so that that's like critical critical as hell man like ecmo is like the best thing that we have for the prevention of but the thing is is we can't um you know supply demand we can't keep up with these patients because it seems like this is how fast they're, they're you know they're progressing with this um virus so there's no cure we're only doing symptom management and the, the patients are progressing so quick where hey we're, we got a pronoun we got to paralyze and we got to put them on a ventilator like i, I was take i was talking to a guy and uh, coworker, he's under age of 50 and he's freaking in the ICU intubated. So, you know, these patients are dropping pretty quick and we can't figure out why. And you mentioned the virus that's, or a vaccine that's being produced, correct? Yeah. So that's only in phase one. Phase one had, I think the CDC guy was talking about it, 48 patients. We have to take the freaking vaccine to phase two and uh, do a trial on, I don't know how many thousand patients. And that's, that's going to take months. It's going to take months before we get approval to even have a vaccine. So as of now, we're fucked on that and that's aspect. And we have to literally do what we're doing now is just staying our asses at home, you know? Yeah, our best bet to fight this is not a vaccine. The vaccine is getting more beneficial in the future and long-term wise. We need to figure out what medication work for this so we actually treat it. We don't got to figure out a medication that's, that's a cure. We just got to figure out a medication that, that helps fight it. We don't need a medication that's going to completely get rid of it. We just need something to support our body with fighting it. Because our body can fight it off. It could totally fight it off. It's just that the elderly population and people that are above 60, 70, in this case, even uh, your coworker's friend that's 50, like sometimes we're not, our bodies aren't as strong as, as we think they are, or if you're elderly, more susceptible. So if we could just find a medication that can help us out a little bit, you know, that's all, all it might take and it might just blow over. But the fact that we haven't found anything specific, we have some promising drugs out there, but nothing really specific that we say 100%, this is going to help you. Because our body is great at fighting this, these kind of things. Like if you remember, I'm pretty sure you were sick back in January, and I was sick back in January. And COVID, they were saying COVID has been around since December. So me and you might have had COVID-19, and we might not even have known it. And we just, we just fought it off because I was pretty sick in January. Like well, I haven't you been mentioned that. it too. Like I was sick as hell and it kept, it kept lurking around for a very long time. Yeah. It was, it was a very stubborn thing to very stubborn thing for me to get rid of, but my body fought it off. And I don't know, it could, it could have been COVID. But like I said, like our body is able to fight the stuff off. That's why the, the key thing here is just for support. We need kind of medication that will support our, our body. That's why I'm, Hey, maybe you guys should increase your vitamin C, vitamin D just because if you do catch it, Maybe you might just get a little bit of that boost just to fight it off. You might need to go to hospital. You might not need to do all this stuff because we know that majority of these cases affect the elderly and majority of these cases aren't deadly. Majority of these cases are asymptomatic and we just kind of walk around with it without even knowing it. Yeah, it's scary to think about, but that's just how certain disease processes work. I'm just kind of having this little um, like nursing moment here and kind of like I want to talk some shit. You know how like we give Tamiflu for like the flu? Mm. I wonder if the Tamiflu five-day course is actually going to work now with this thing, you know, because we always say that, hey, Tamiflu is not evidence-based, but we give it to give it to all of our flu patients. I wonder if it's actually going to do something now. But Maybe it's just supportive care. You know? It is supportive. You need to find a Tamiflu for COVID. 
Yeah. And that's what we do for a lot of things. Like this is not something new that we, you know, we do, we, we intubate patients all the time as well. We give supportive care for the lungs. We put a feeding tube in and we give them nutrition, you know, so just that could have protein that could heal back up. Like we do these things um, in the ICU all the damn time. It's just a huge influx of patients right now. And that's why this is um, becoming so scary because this is the perfect test for healthcare. And I think this, um, this plague, as you call it, or whatever it is, this COVID situation, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to uh, open doors to a lot of interesting scenarios in the future, uh, change in healthcare. And I don't know, hopefully they don't vaccinate the whole damn world because I don't believe in that, but we shall yeah. see. What I think a lot of people don't understand about healthcare and about medicine is that majority of diseases and infectious processes that we see in the hospital, there isn't a cure for them. Like you don't come to the hospital to get cured. You, get come, you come to the hospital to get treated because there is no medication that there's not a lot of medications that are shown to cure different kinds of disease processes. Usually what we do in a hospital is supportive care. The treatment approach is trying to do everything that we can to help your body fight it off. And so we give broad spectrum, broad spectrum antibiotics. Those don't, those don't treat your infection. They don't treat your issue. Well, I guess, you, I guess you could say they do treat it, but they don't, they're not specific to that disease. You know what I'm saying? Like our yeah. bed with, with broad spectrum antibiotics, they affect a lot of microorganisms. And we're hoping that your body plus this antibiotic together is going to ultimately help you fight it off yourself. And that's how yes. a lot of these treatment, process, that's a lot of these treatment process, processes are. It's not like you come to the hospital with, with this issue and we give you this cure. No. You come to the hospital, we give you supportive care. And this treatment modality is pro is has proven to work against this issue. It's not a cure; it's just a treatment option that we do because it has been shown to work. So. Yeah, for real, man. That's like that's basically what the sepsis protocol is in a fucking bundle. It's like, hey, okay, you, you one of your blood tests show that you might have an infection. So here's some fluids, so you don't your blood pressure doesn't drop. And then here's a broad spectrum antibiotic. And we're going to see if it works. And just in case, if this shit doesn't work, we're going to take some blood cultures. And then that hopefully that grows in two to three days. And then we could give you the right antibiotics to target that specific bacteria on top of managing, just like you said, the, you know, the symptoms. So, yeah. Goddamn healthcare, huh? Simple for two ICU yeah. nurses here. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot of people think that because not everyone's a nurse or a doctor or has any kind of background in medicine, but... It's, it's still like if you, once you get this degree, once you start working in the field, you kind of see that, hey, we don't have a lot of cures for a lot of things. And that's, that's okay because our body can cure itself. Just to be somebody who just needs a little bit of help. That's what it is. I think this is a pretty good episode wrapping it up, wrapping up yeah. the COVID, what's going on. Let me, just, let me just hit the stats real quick before we kind of, you know, jump out of here. So currently, what is March 20th today, there's 274,000 cases of COVID, 11,355 deaths. Out of those 274,000, 90,000 have recovered. And the current active cases, these are active cases, 171,934 worldwide. And 95% of those are mild condition. And those are 163,000 that are mild condition. And 5% are critical or in serious condition. That's 7,974. But on a positive note, we have closed a bunch of cases. So there's already over 100K closed cases. And 90% of those cases, have been recovered and discharged and got rid of with minimal harm. Unfortunately, 11,000 of those cases resulted in death. So guys, just be careful. So it's still not as Ebola level. Ebola is like a 50% death rate. 
doesn't spread that often, doesn't spread that wildly as COVID does. But COVID does have a 5% chance of basically death if you do develop it. So guys, really, it's important to stay home. If you don't got to go outside, try to go outside, try to have any family meetings, it's not a good time for a party. So just be aware, guys. And if you're bored at home and you like this episode, why don't you hop in over and give us five stars or give us a rating on whatever you think we deserve. And we're going to continue giving you guys this high quality content. Okay, guys, we'll see you guys next week.